to the Mostly Skateboarding Podcast. I'm your host, Temple Tonelli, and I'm joined this week by Mike Linsrider and Patrick Kigongo. We both attended Slow Impact in Arizona last week, so we'll recap all that went down there and catch up on some recent happenings in the skateboard world after that. So Patrick, can you remind our listeners what Slow Impact is and tell us kind of broadly what it was like on the ground there? So Slow Impact was an event that was held in Tempe, Arizona, which is just south of Phoenix, part of the greater Phoenix area. And it was originally billed this past December as a skate vacation in the desert. Panels, art, live music, and more. And it was scheduled for this past February 16th to 19th. And Mike and I both rolled up and it was otherworldly. It was amazing. It was probably one of the coolest things I have ever been a part of. And I don't think it's hyperbole for me to say that it was life-changing. And indeed, I was impacted. Mike, what did you think? First of all, this was this is the first time Mike and I got to meet. <laughs> I've been on this podcast almost three years now. This is the first, and we got to hang out at V. And the same goes for other podcasters, photographers, writers, skate industry people. We got to hang out. We really actually, it was very, very intimate in some, in, in some instances. It was very, very humbling at any given time. Mike, what are your initial takeaways? Do you feel impacted? I've been impacted for sure. I mean, not trying to downplay anything, but I think like the the quick explanation of what it was, and this is what I was telling, you know, some random people when I was sitting at Casey Moore's at the bar, you know, eating a salad and having my mozzarella sticks for dinner one night, big cravings after skating all day. Like it was a skateboard convention in in like the simplest terms. But it was like, what, the thinking person's, the thinking skater's skateboard convention, or I don't know, what a, what, what a better way to, to explain it. But yeah. A retreat. It was a retreat. Yeah. yeah. It was it was pretty affirming for, you know, in a way of like having had thoughtful discussions with a lot of people on social media about skateboarding and about how skateboarding fits in life and what skateboarding means and what skateboarding means to you and what, what it means for friendships. And See, now I'm getting a little too far from my, you know, dumbed down skateboard convention. But yeah, it it was, I think, and I didn't get a chance to talk to Ryan Lay, the organizer, about it. I don't think we'd mentioned Ryan yet directly. But it was, you know, it I I would hope he felt like it was a success because I have a hard time seeing it as anything but. I mean, looking at it from the outside, it definitely looked like a success. When we had him on the show, he said he'd be happy if 50 people showed up and it looked like way more than 50 people were at any given event. So sorry to interrupt. What was your estimation of the total attendance, Mike? I counted very, very roughly on any given morning of the three mornings of panel discussions that there were probably, what, 150, 120 to 150 people. Um, Then for the skate events, probably a a bit more. But maybe my counting was a bit off. Yeah, the the guesstimating a crowd thing is famously... uh guesswork i would have supposed there were 60 ish seats in the skate after school building where all the panels were held and then it was standing room only for each one of them there were three i mean yeah you're talking like 100 plus people probably at any any one of those panel discussions then yeah i mean the 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 skate events went off and there was definitely an element of you know locals kind of showing up and what the hell is going on here? I have, <laughs> there's a skate event. 
Yeah, that would be my read. I, I I do think again, yeah, like Ryan said, fifty people he was hoping for. Maybe that was the out of towners count, but yeah, it 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 was well attended. So it was kind of split into two segments or two categories. There was like the skate events where everybody gets together and skates, and then there were the panels. So in the morning, go to the skate after school building and listen to some cool people talk about some cool stuff. So let's st- let's start with the panels. There were what do you say? Three panels? Oh, that's correct. correct. Patrick, what was your favorite panel? Um, I think it's really difficult to choose because each one discussed and poked around at subject matter that has only recently surfaced in discussions between skateboarders and within skate media. So the first day was you're skating on native land, which was absolutely brilliant, featuring Native American skaters from Tempe, from Phoenix area talking about their experiences both on and off the reservation, um, the invisibility of native skaters and indigenous or um, or First Nations skaters within skate magazines, within skate media. Day two was podium or per diem, which was making it as a woman or non-binary skater in the skateboard industry. And that was a discussion of non-dude skaters having to choose between navigating the contest circuit or trying to get in the van, get clips and getting into videos And then the very last day was about art and sensibility. And that was about being a creative. And that was, you would think that that would be a pretty clinical discussion, but I think that everybody on the panel, on all three of the panels, bought some really powerful vulnerability and really opened themselves up because it was a small enough group that you could share some really deeply personal things. Indeed, people, they did. They really did. Mike, did you have a favorite panel? I think... And yeah, I'm 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 hedging here, honestly. Not on it. Well, what am I lying if I'm not honestly hedging? I I think that each of them brought like diff- such different things to the table that they all served different purposes within kind of trying to bring up topics and issues to what at the end of the day remains a pretty dude heavy, white dude heavy crowd at these skate events and. um I think they successfully did so. You know, the the podium or per diem, some of the speakers took a little bit to warm up. I think that was, that is a non-controversial opinion. Not everybody's used to public speaking or even, you know, talking to their homeboys every every week on a podcast like this. No, they, I, I think they all hit their targets. I mean, there, there was for, you know, the 41-year-old White guy skater, you know, when Jerry Sue's talking about his first 411 on Sunday morning, that, you know, hits hits a little bit differently. I think that's the only thing that I like really was like, oh shit, now I got to tweet about something just because it, it fits the format of what I do on Twitter. But um, I mean, I, I, I have like half a dozen panel ideas for, you know, double impact or whatever, whatever the next one's called that, you know, it took, it took about a day and a half for people to be like, Oh, what's happening next year? You know, it was very successful in that, in that way. Um, Patrick, I kind of alighted over your question. Any, any moments stood out to you from the, from the panels or anything that's worth reporting back? I think there was a moment in each of the panels that really stood out to me. So, uh, the, host of the you're skating on native land discussion maurice crandall kind of took a step back and allowed the you know his guests to really 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 go in and provide some detail about their experiences as native american skaters 
And something that was really powerful in there, and I can't remember if it was Doug Miles Sr. or Jr. who'd said it, you know, they talked about, we're going to go skate the wedge. We're going to go skate these drainage ditches. We're going to skate in these spots that are a direct result of the seizure and the debasement of indigenous land. What do I mean when I say that? That means that that drainage ditch was built to channelize a river that had been used since time immemorial by people whose land that is. And here we are skateboarding it. And, you know, they really talked about, you know, everyone on that panel really talked about the idea that, you know, this is some, um, you know, what does it mean to say you're skating on native, native land? This is something that, uh, this is a phrase that was coined by Doug Miles from uh, Apache Skateboards. Senior, right? Uh, yeah, senior. You're skating on native land doesn't just mean like, oh, yes, of course, you know, we're in the American West where it's OD obvious, actually all over the United States, but particularly in the West and in the Southwest, it's OD obvious that you're on native land. But also, what are the repercussions? What are the infrastructure decisions? What are the, uh, what are the buildings that you're skating? What are the places that you're skating? You know, how does that all connect to that subject? For Saturday's discussion about podium or per diem, I think it was, I think it was Marby's comment that Crux pays me $200 a month. And that was in response to, you know, Marby had bought up, you know, almost in like this, this really kind of dark, but also deadpan way that, you know, you'll have these really awful, dreadful comments that they get on their social media pages, particularly Instagram and somebody saying, oh, you're telling me that all I had to do to be able to take over the industry was go and put on a dress and go skate for Crux, to which uh, Marby said, yeah, I, I get $200 a month from Crux. And it was a, a moment of transparency. It just yeah, because two hundred dollars a month is really going to change your life. F O H. I I think she then said, uh, "Go get a paper route. That'll change your life more." <laughs> and, and not again, not to be Mr. Editor here, but um, I, I believe the direct quote unquote comment was, "All I had to do, wait, my life would be different if I knew all I had to do to get a pro truck on Crux was to put on a dress." Which I just think amplifies the idiocy of that shit. But exactly, uh, so you have a better you have a better memory than I do, Mike. And that was great. I mean, just like the transparency, the discussions about Alex White, who was the host of that panel, recall the discussion with Alexis Sablon, aka the People's Champ, saying that if I don't win this contest, I'm gonna have to get a regular job. You know, you have women, non-binary, non-dude skaters who are thinking about okay. They're doing all of this calculus, all of this math, and trying to determine what suite of contests do they have to enter? What do the incentives do they have to make so that they can avoid having to go and punch a clock like many of us end up having to do to be able to keep the lights on? How do they become, you know, how can they become or maintain their status as a pro skater who just skates and focuses on skating? Poe Pinson, who was, I think, the one of the younger attendees. How old was Poe again? 17. Poe was 17, and incredibly sharp and seems to understand the real life situations that are standing in front of her as someone who's a skateboarder who's about to hit their window. Um, and then on Sunday's talk, Empathy and Texture Skateboarding Art, which was hosted by Ted Barrow, who is hilarious, by the way. Oh my goodness. Jerry Sue talking about his struggles with depression, talking about what he described as the violence of assimilation, uh, more specifically talking about getting laughed at at school when he bought Taiwanese food for lunch and going back and telling his, his parents that he didn't want to bring that food to school anymore, which for a lot of us who are first generation or immigrant kids, like we, we all vividly remember that. And the fact that he used the phrase violence, because it is, it is violence, especially now in 2023, where I'm sure I guarantee that a whole bunch of those same kids 
who used to make fun of Jerry Sue for bringing in Taiwanese food for lunch are like, oh my God, I love dim sum. Oh my God, let's go get hot pot. Fuck out of here. You know, like pe people really opened up, I think because it was a, such a small group and we saw each other, you know, people had meals together, you know, hung out together on the like the late night tip. People thought that they could actually be themselves. And, and before I go on too long, I'd also like to point out another thing. I think because I like to think because everybody who was there knows how to act. You know, even the most caustic personalities on skate Twitter, shout out to skate Twitter who came out envy. People were super polite and nice and funny and interesting. And I think it's a reminder that people's online personas are just a sliver of who they are, or they're just that they are a persona. Most people just wanted to chill, hang out, talk and share stories with each other. Yeah. I think that openness was, I, I don't know if the tone was even set. I think people came in wanting to have the time that eventually developed and, um, you know, that just allowed those panels to, to work, I think to their fullest, uh, not extent, but you know, like best possibilities. We should also mention, um, there was a literary reading now, now we're into the real cuts of the slow impact weekend. Uh, that was the one that I really wanted to go to. It was that uh, one and the art one that really gave me the FOMO. Like, it was beautiful. Yeah. I'll Those meetings. It, it was, um, it was hilarious. Pro probably, probably teared up and, um, yeah, I mean, it was just intense openness at this thing. I was talking to Kyle Beachy who organized it afterwards and he said it was, uh, well, kick the shit out of any literary capital L reading that he's ever been to in terms of the crowd being into it and acceptance of it and all that. Um, but yeah, it was, it was funny and it was heartfelt. And again, like people were allowing it to happen. There wasn't no, not a lot of cool guy was going on, which, you know, to everyone's strength. Um, yeah, it, it was a friendly weekend. It was an accepting weekend. It was so kumbaya, it hurt, but in all the best of ways. It was shocking. It was really, really shocking about how chilled out and open people were. Oh yeah, shout out to Betsy from the Smithsonian who came out and hung out quite a bit. Nice, yeah, she seemed first, great. First I'm stoked you guys got to hang out. Trying to think of that in skateboard contest. Yeah, shout out to the historian from the Smithsonian. Yeah, skating it. <laughs> I know. Rarified. It, it was. It was really cool. And, and let's think. Jim Tebow was there. Who brilliant reading at the literary event. Actually opened it up and wow, just really set the tempo in just such a such a beautiful way and was just so kind and generous in spirit and oh my goodness i mean everybody really everybody really went hard in the paint at that literary event and let's think who else uh also tim uh tim from deluxe was he rolled through who else obviously jerry sue was there um who else from the from the i guess the formal industry was there mike uh there's some of the there people saw chad tim tim was there chris colbert yep, from the new balance couple colbert folks um, no sci-fi fantasy extremely good at skating all right let's let's talk about the skating so there were three skate events the first one was at the perry park uh mitchell park but you're not uh you're not gonna get pilloried for getting them confused one one we park the first day mitchell which was newly built and then perry park which i'm sure a lot of people have seen the extremely low impact 20k park that ryan lay helped have built um and then we went to the wedge for the last one yep so how fun is that tiny quarter pipe? Very, very. In, in fact, it was so fun that 
folks started doing Mitchell morning because Mitchell, we skated on Thursday, which was sort of the eve, the, the, the first session of the whole thing. And then folks started just showing up there every morning before the panels. Cause also the timing was nice too. The panel discussion started at 10 or 11 AM. Thank God, because it's 11, 11. Yes, you're right. 11, because people went hard in the paint on the late night tip, some harder than others. Um, and so the idea of getting up at nine, you know, getting up and getting to something at nine o'clock was thankfully that we were spared that anyway. So Mitchell Park is indeed as fun as it looks. It's not only fun, it's also a, it shouldn't serve as a clarion call to urban planners, parks, departments, and cities all around the country that you can do this for cheap because Mitchell Park, the addition to Mitchell Park was done for $12,000 one day installation, 12 grand one day. That's a, you know, I mean, it's a relatively tiny footprint too, I think, which is why people started skating there early. Mm Mm-hmm. You put 20 people there and and it's even smaller, but um, yeah, it's a great model. Yeah. But, you know, to the spot's credit, too, there was enough space where people could kind of hang out on the edges without being in the way. And I think also many of us were just so in awe of actually meeting each other, meeting people that we had corresponded with for ages. You know, I mean, my goodness, you know, it almost felt like you were picking up with a picking up a conversation with an old friend as opposed to meeting, meeting someone. You know, you certainly learn things about them. Oh, by the way. The fits were crazy, <laughs> y'all. Just Mike, we we gotta we gotta we gotta pause and give respect. The outfit game, the pants game. Um, I maybe I don't want to go too far into this, but somebody had pointed out the polar big boys might actually be on their way out because they weren't too many big boys. I mean, be advised, Village Psychic, as our as a friend of the friend of the podcast. Now I can say Lurker Lou would call them Village. Both Village and Psychic were out at the thing. And they're publishing the uh, fashion fashion report right now on the BP IG story. Unfortunately, this publishes in two days, three days. Yeah. So. Yeah. so hopefully you saw yourself when you saw a screen cap because it was ill. But anyway, uh, back to your point, Templeton, about the each of the spots. So the Wedge Skate Park is a bit weird because it's lopsided. Parts of it slope downhill. I think one of the things of note about that park is that that's where one of the locals did the world's fastest kickflip on the big flat area. And actually he was actually chilling at the wedge with his chicken. So shout to homie. Um, we didn't get to meet, but I, I've always loved that. That, that. That's like a, one of like the top five historical skate YouTube artifacts. But most of us end up skating the actual wedge itself, skating a bunch of blunt steel bars. They're each, each, you know, you know, because they're low impact parks, it really felt like, there's something there for skaters of all abilities. Thank God, because there's nothing worse than pulling up to a spot and being like, I just don't have anything for this. And I think because we were skating so much, everybody was skating really well. And a lot of people, I, at least my speaking for myself, I feel like I was pushing myself harder than normal. Not only to keep up because I was, I was hype, I was really, really excited each and every day to go and skate with the same people. It was, I haven't done that in years. You know, to be able to go out and skate pretty much nonstop Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Dog. What a what a feeling. Anyway, Templeton, we've been talking quite a bit. I'm sure you got OD questions to ask. Can, can I just add? I'll be brief. Sessions overall, having been at like a thousand damn or whatever. I agree with Patrick. It was civilized in a way that doesn't always happen. The fact that it was all low impact stuff was good. Perry Park's big, but it's also got like twenty foot tall fencing. 
And so it felt a little penned in and it was, that was probably the most heated session aside from what was essentially a best trick contest at the wedge. But yeah, it was run of the mill skate event in terms of, oh, shitload of people skating all at the same time, but it was far more civilized. And I think that there was kind of like, let's get everybody in this, like an attitude about it that made it a very unrun of the mill skate event, if, if that all pans. So you guys keep talking about how, like you keep talking about the attitude and the vibe and how it's so different from other skate events. What's going on there? Like, it seems like it was all very inclusive and very friendly. Like, it, it seems almost like everybody almost knew each other beforehand. And it, I mean, it seems like there was a lot of that. Like we did from skate Twitter. Everybody did know each other. I've been doing this podcast with y'all for almost three years. So it's not like Mike and I, when we first met, we're starting from zero. You know, now multiply that across all of these people on Twitter, on Instagram. I imagine there were even some slap folks. Oh, by the way, I think Slow Impact actually somehow made it to the second page of the useless wooden toys board on Slap. But somebody said, Oh, this is the, the best event of my life. So it's not making the front page, but it's definitely getting low. But yes, it, it was. It was very, very positive. And I think, you know, that's due to a couple of things. I think it's due to the depth of these relations. I think it's also due to the fact that, you know, COVID happened and a lot of us became very, very online. And so we were really engaging with each other quite deeply, talking about how a whole bunch of us had live tweeted the 2020 Olympics, 2021 was counting. And it was probably one of the funnest things any of us had ever done. The discourse was great. And I think also because the vibe was set with these panel discussions in the morning and you had an audience that is thoughtful and intellectual and willing to engage with difficult subject matter and wants more than just hell ride in their skateboarding discourse that we were operating on an, on another level. And a couple of folks had made the joke that always oh, it had a very strong ayahuasca retreat vibe, which is crazy, but okay. <laughs> but um, yeah. elucidate us who don't know what that is. Oh, so ayahuasca is a hallucinogenic drug that is used in certain tribal and indigenous medicine. It is a particular experience. It's something that has been co-opted by a lot of woo-woo circles, particularly out here on the West Coast. And I won't go into my deep criticisms of the appropriation of any sort of traditional practices, especially being somebody from a village and a tribe, whatever, those sorts of things. But yes, there was a sense of community. And um, I found myself really listening to, I've been writing my recap of Slow Impact. And even on the drive back, it was kind of starting to get it together. I was listening to a lot of Acid House, a lot of rave music, a lot of techno. And there's two things that came to mind. So one was the song Little Fluffy Clouds by The Orb is absolutely beautiful and it contains a sample of an interview with the singer ricky lee jones who's from arizona and she talks about the skies in arizona and there's at one point at the wedge i looked up and i saw little fluffy clouds and it's something connected and i really felt like it was on some other level shit then the other one was and i'd meant to i'd meant to quote this in my toast to ryan i ended up quoting another sample from isle of white but the, the sample i i i'd meant to mention in my toast to ryan on the last night was from woodstock and i'll read it to you because it's a pretty it's a pretty powerful one I'll, i will be using it quite frequently and the quote goes it's a free concert from now on but the one major thing that you need to remember tonight is that the man next to you is your brother and you damn well better treat each other like that because if you don't 
we're going to blow the whole thing, but we've got it right here. And there was a really a, a, a sense of, you know, it felt like we were on some other plane with each other and that we were able to connect with each other in a way that felt very different than any skateboarding related event that I've ever been to. It, it really did feel like a rave and it really did feel like uh, there was this sense of possibility. And I think the scary thing about that is how do we harness that power? Just to kind of add my two cents here, here, Patrick, I feel like there was a, there there was a handful. I don't know. I, I I talked to people who you know I knew from online, and I got the impression, and I think I talked to enough people where I kind of have the quote like reporting on it, where it was like, oh shit, you know, I don't know about this. Maybe skating hasn't been working. Maybe skating's been great lately. I don't know if I know anybody out there, but like the idea of the event sounded really appealing. So fuck it. I'm buying a ticket. You know, I'm coming halfway across the country and I'm just going to like show up and make it work. So I think it, it's there was like an idealism built into it. And I think that in buying that plane ticket, in showing up, in just like making yourself available out there, like you were buying into the idea of it. And, um, yeah, just to kind of dumb it down a little bit from there, this got flagged in the group chat, and oh, it's the homegirl Haley, and she goes by her name backwards, and I try, I've tried for like days to figure out how to say it. She is your boyfriend's favorite poser on Twitter, and she tweeted least horniest skate event I've ever been to. So there was that too. So maybe that's a respectability broke like built into it. I don't know, but. I think it's just demographics. I mean, my goodness, like, Mike, both of you are, are married. You know, you have a kid. We live relatively square lives. Yeah. yeah. And I think also, it's, I think it's also, yeah, there is a, indeed a respectability built into it. And I'm sure that there were folks who are out there, you know, trying to get it in and respect you as as long as you're doing it respectfully. You've got to come up with the low impact. It would be the high impact. Uh, what? Hookup report. The hookup report. <laughs> Bone. <laughs> Bones. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I, by the I, way, if you're talking about people who just said, "Fuck it, I'm buying a ticket." Shout out to the homie Dominic from Leicester, England. This man came through. Me. This is his first trip. Man's first trip as an adult to the USA. Only place he ever visited was Niagara Falls, which doesn't really count because you come to the falls and then you go back to Canada. Dog came from Leicester, England. Like linked up with Jamie and Mikey came in from the, the Northwest. They went to a Suns game. So he's got his first basketball game there. He was skating incredibly well. You know, just super stylish. Amazing fits, by the way. And just killed it. And with just such a array of positivity. And I think the fact that that was, a huge, I think, a huge validation for a, a whole bunch of us. That, like, Homie was willing to come through from England. And not just down south, London area. You know, Thames Valley even. Talking about the Midlands. I mean, it was it was humbling. It's humbling that people gave. I, I think even more humbling was people who talked about their anxiety about it. You know, Mike, you just pointed out there with people like, oh, I'm kind of iffy about this. But I think once people started chatting about it and texting each other and tweeting about it and saying like, yo, I'm rolling, I'm buying a ticket. Maybe there was like a sort of FOMO kicked in. People said, oh, I got to be there. I need to be there. These people are funny and interesting in the internet. They got to be somewhat cool in real life. The FOMO didn't hit me hard enough to make me uh go but i'm definitely regretting it like it sounds amazing uh i hope the next year is just as good because i'm definitely gonna go oh yeah and uh guess what next year we all gotta go i mike 
one of the one of the I think you you, you tell it because um, <laughs> one of the things was that we had a little excursion on after I think it was the second night out. So what was this? Uh, this was probably Saturday night, if I recall. Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, yeah. uh, I could. It was it was Saturday long. night. Oh, I'm, am I muted still? No. Okay. I don't know. We we couldn't get into one of the bars. So we walked over to the ASU party zone, kicked a college bar that. I don't remember what our protocols were for picking it, but um, it had to be obnoxious. It had to be it, like a loud. It had to be someplace with. It had to be like the real deal, but not so long that we had to wait in line because fuck that, we're old. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'd already been in the zone long enough, but it was like, okay, this night's kind of over. We're gonna go get some sleep. We're not going to, uh, you know, the after party, whatever. Pick an obnoxious looking bar. Obnoxious it was hostess women and thongs and stuff like just over the top college get in there music's too loud the lighting's wrong there's not a dance floor i don't even know how you're supposed to like go in there and try to get laid at least maybe not from the cultural background i come from skateboarding but yeah me and patrick got lemon drops at the bar had a surprisingly good beer and realized like again after being in you know the circle of trust zone for for a couple days and the scene in there sucked. It was just like trying at each other. It was incredible. It was trash. I mean, right behind us at the bar. Now, again, Mike and I had a great time and had a lovely chat. But behind us, there was two tables, one of which was kind of like a fake VIP. And it was a table of dudes sitting there, all on their phones in one. The next table over was a little bit more jazzed up. They had sparklers. They had a couple of champagne uh, tubs. They had big bottles in there, and yet in both at both tables, everybody was on their phone. Like they would rather be anywhere else. And I said to myself, "I'm glad that I did." You know, I went to a big state. You myself, I went to University of Maryland at College Park. But at least people were having fun. They were getting down. But like these kids looked like they were absolutely miserable, miserable. I mean, Saturday night is prime. Saturday night on a holiday weekend, you should be going hard in the paint on Saturday, and I did not feel it at all. Not like not one bit. It was it, it was it was a bit of a fear and loathing kind of ex, you know experience too because as Mike had pointed out, you know, it was such a chill vibe all weekend to go into this place where these lights and these sounds. Um also by the way, I definitely got some looks going into a few places like um when we were at the wedge there was a little bar up the way we could order food and bring it back down. And I walked in there it was a bit like those cowboy movies where they see the uh, stranger pull up on his horse and walk in everyone just kind of looks at you and the fit wasn't even that wild these short-ish black shorts and a yellow a yellow t-shirt and a hat but i don't know everybody in there just looked like folks were in there to watch college basketball and commiserate with each other well i i'm sold i'm i'm definitely going next year what advice would you give me and or anybody else who's going to attend I'm, I'm talking like practical advice you know to uh, mental preparedness you know like bring sunscreen, whatever, like, Mike, what's, give me some tips. Yeah, bring in wear sunscreen, because that'll sneak up on you, put it on your ears, you're old, you're washed, it's fine. Uh, I forgot to eat a lot of days, because I, I don't know, like, I was out of my normal at-home routine, so I um, kind of forgot to do certain life-sustaining things. The zone, though, was great. There was a lot, like, ample food options, Whole Foods was right in the mix, so that worked out great. I was really happy. I got a little motel room by myself. I, I, I heard of people, you know, there was a lot of people that like shared an Airbnb with, you know, even 
age-related folks, so they were on the same page there, but I, I love being able to just ghost whenever. Did I have any other tips written down? I think it's just like eat food, wear sunscreen, try to get some sleep if you can. That should work pretty well. I don't want to forget this because I know we, we mentioned Ryan Lay who organized the thing and he had help, but um, incredible job by Ryan who not only did it all. And I think this is like truly the kicker that dude skated his ass off the entire weekend. And um, I feel like you can, you can get a, you can get a by day or two just because you organize the damn thing. But he to the very end at the wedge was hauling ass. That guy skates so fast. It's a different set of physics he operates under. My favorite trick was the nollie nose blunt over the wedge bump to bump where he lid the first one and he popped so fucking high out of it. I had to like heckle him. There's a bridge above and I yelled like, you going up there fool? I made my quick. I made th my quote sound cooler than it actually was in real time. But, you know, he did it a couple times later. Beautiful trick. That guy's a great skater, great organizer. So thanks, Ryan. Yeah, yeah. I, I have uh, I have some other advice as well. I second you on getting a hotel room if you uh, skew a little bit older or a little bit anxious. Just so that you could have some space to A, ghost, and B, to, to freshen up. I think that's something that I really uh, am quite a stickler about is being able to have time between events to go, wash my face, change my clothes. Uh, I'm quite prissy as well. I, there was definitely outfit changes happening, but I also I drove so I could bring I could bring more stuff. Also, it was it was colder than many folks had expected. Um, it is the desert. There's not much moisture in the air. And while the daytimes were perfectly comfortable, jeans and hoodie, the last day shorts and hoodie, which was amazing, or shorts and t-shirt, um, the nights can get quite chilly. So heat tech or thermals, Definitely sunscreen and also moisturizer. The air is very dry and the water is not particularly good. So you're going to be ashy, especially for you uh, brown and dark folks. Um, or if you just have dry skin, you know, moisturizer is great for everybody. Also food. I think um, try to get in. There was a Whole Foods on the main drag where skate after school, Cowtown, and a few other things and a few skate spots were at. So I'd say take advantage of that. Take advantage of being able to get some real produce, some, some fruits and vegetables in your body. Uh, this is a little bit TMI, but I think it's important to stay regular when traveling. Bring some prunes, you know, get that fiber in there. Like, really, like, I'm talking about, like, for real, for real, take care of yourself. Because here's the thing. There's also just this great spirit of generosity and hanging out. You're going to find yourself saying yes to a lot of things and maybe staying in, you know, staying out a little bit or a lot later than you thought. And so you want to make sure that you're you're hydrating and that you're taking care of yourself. And I think also, I think another thing is don't expect to be doing too much outside of skate stuff unless you are dead set on it, like going to a museum or going record shopping, two things which I really enjoy doing. Same thing with used bookstores. It was a pretty skate-centric schedule. So if you want to do other things, tack on a couple of days or a day before or after to go explore. It's really, really, it's definitely worth your while. Yeah, I was... I was fairly hurt for a couple of days, banged up my knee, and it started swelling, so I couldn't really skate. And I wanted to, like, go hike. But the skate gravity, the skate gravity is very strong. You're like, again, it goes back to the vibes. Like, I wanted to duck out and not see anybody, and then I was like, oh, shit, this is too good to turn down. I'm going Tempe spot-seeking. That was another thing we failed to mention. It's pretty self-explanatory. Spot book on IG. A lot of, a day of street skating. Sounds perfect. 
to people people went they went hard in the paint oh and then here's another piece of advice is use the name tags because ryan had name tags on the first night there was you know there was an art show on the first night after skating at mitchell and that was super super helpful and i was using every trick in the book mnemonic devices whatever to remember names because you know you're so used to referring to people by their handles and such it can be a little bit strange to be in such close quarters with them on a, on a regular basis and with regards to getting to know people i think sitting down with people you've never met or maybe not even interacted with is something that can be a real eye-opener i've heard of feedback ted and what was so fascinating was that you know at some point at dinner me we had like a nice table me mike ted my boy jordan Andreas, um our boy jack luke um who else was there at that particular table I'm forgetting somebody, but it will come back to me. Anyway, besides the point, um, as it turns out, Ted and I were both really inspired to explore Parisian and French skating in general by the same issue of Slap magazine that featured Samir and Salim Krim, uh, two brothers who are pretty famous in the Parisian scene. And I believe it's Samir who's over at Supreme now. Uh, Ted is quite good friends with them. Has actually spent quite a few summers over there. And it was just so fascinating. I never... I knew very, you know, you know very little about personal stuff about the people you meet, or even just, you know, talking to Lurker Lou about, told me about visiting an onsen when he went to Osaka, Japan, and just how it was a game changer, or getting inspired to work in stone by visiting the Acropolis, going to Greece, going to Athens, and just learning these little things about people. Um, also, shout out to the homie Nigel, you know, we actually got to have a very personal conversation, you know, it wasn't particularly long on the last night, but just long enough to be able to make an impact on both of us. There was a lot of that. I mean, same thing, um, I had a wonderful conversation uh, with Marby and with, with Alex Wayne. There was a lot of these, a lot of these moments in which you found yourself having particularly intimate conversations with people. And I really appreciate the fact that folks went out of their way to facilitate that environment where people could open up a little bit to strangers from the internet. Uh, we're strangers no more, but I, that is something that is just to me is, you know, I mean, again, it's, I, I, I keep bringing up Acid House. I keep bringing up, you know, the late 80s, early 90s rave era where even the toughest tough guys were all of a sudden just like, hey, how you doing? I love you, man. You want a water? Are you good? Are you feeling good? There was a, like, there was a lot of that. It was, it's, it, it was incredibly, it was, it was, it was OD. And I think that if you are feeling a little bit anxious or you're a little bit introverted, that there's a lot of people who are very explicitly trying to make space for you and that people will be respectful of it and you don't have to do everything but at the same time though there's a lot of people who will be like yo come through come through to this dinner come through to this hangout you know here's my number just text me if you need a ride shit like i found myself giving rides to like a whole bunch of random people that i, I barely knew and it was sick i i loved it yeah it seems rad and you know i've said it a few times i'm going next year but I think it's time to move on and talk about what else has been going on in skateboarding. It's been a little bit of a slow year so far, but that doesn't mean that nothing's happened. Uh, let's go through a couple of the big ones, rapid fire style. Mike, what stood out to you recently? So yeah, I pushed for the second topic just so the uh, Mostly Skateboarding Podcast LLC doesn't appear to be in the pocket of big skateboard conference. At the same time, you know, as we got down to it, I'm like, what, what actually did stand out to me i think at least me and templeton are of the mind that like the ashad part that came out the spitfire part was was up to snuff another another ashad part but um i don't know he he 
He still doesn't have the defining part. Are we in agreement? He skated to Return of the Mac, but there's not like the one part. Yeah, that's my feeling. Like I want, I want, like somehow a shot is so good, but like, is it the spots? Is it the edit? Is it the song? I don't know. It's just like something about how it's presented or how it reaches me is just doesn't stand out. You know, like I watched, I watched the part the first time and I was just like, I don't even remember this. So I watched it the second time and I'm like, holy shit. Like, like I watched it like really concentrating on it, you know, and, and it's fucking incredible, you know, like backside nose blunt down a huge handrail, like switch barrel heel flip, huge stack, stack of stairs. And I couldn't find a fault in it, but it, it, like I also couldn't find uh, something to grab onto. Patrick, where are you on Ishad or Ishad's part? Ishad. Ishad's part was great, but honestly, I was distracted. I was at slow impact, so sorry. <laughs> I didn't watch it at the airport, man. I, I I was not trying to look at my phone. That was that was another great thing about it. I took like twenty photos the whole weekend, but sorry I to a, cut you off. I took a ton of photos and videos, and no worries. Um, I I didn't watch it until Sunday night. I think Ishad just needs to put out that part edited to Sledgehammer and Case. Oh shit. That's why we're not convinced yet, or something. Dog, all we need is those the, the portamento flutes, yo. We need the sledgehammer no, no. part. We need the sledgehammer part to just be like Ishad definitively there. I don't think it's been slow, but it's it's kind of like um, it's kind of like it's like a weird time of the year. I think isn't this the reason why Skate Shop Day exists? You know, to ramp up, you know, to encourage people to go and hit the shops. Also, shout out Cowtown. That that shop is od big. Ooh. I talked to Trent from Cowtown, the founder, just because they, I, how many boards did they have? Again, notoriously difficult to guesstimate numbers. I've never been in a skate shop with that many decks on the wall. And apparently this is like the lean season. Ton. Like even their, their, their clearance rack was, their clearance rack was, their, their clearance shoes and their clearance rack. I mean, like I picked up one of those Blondie Sherpa coats and a running jacket, the, the, the 3M style that um, is high viz. Because it was like such a nice markdown, another pair of Puigs. Yeah, it was a, and also the staff in there, everybody. Uh, there's Kit Hayden who works there, who's super, super nice. I mean, everybody that was, it's especially nice because they had coffee and donuts every morning for everybody, both, both hot coffee and cold brew. Yeah, it, it's it's a kind of like, it, it's a weird time. I mean, I think another piece of news that happened, uh, O. Bartholomew Otis, um, he passed away this past weekend and, pretty legendary skate photographer also incredibly respected as a guitar tech and a musician himself he was in the band olive lawn whose music was in the first two plan b videos mm-hmm. questionable and virtual reality uh, so ripo i mean i know that was going around quite a bit so a couple of his old skate photos um as well as his instagram page was just a treasure trove of guitar knowledge and seemed like just like a super cool guy i'm trying to think what else happened i don't know if people are talking about uh i mean obviously enjoy which is kind of weird because both Samaria and Jerry, you know, Jerry had long since gone from Enjoy. Samaria was unfortunately recently let go in the whole I guess it's a dwindle implosion. I don't really know what's happening. Just a lot of layoffs and companies getting shuttered, team lineups being cut. That definitely, that definitely cast a bit of a pall over um, some of the conversations. Like, shit, this is, it's kind of sad, but I think there were also a lot of folks like the idea has run its course. I mean, what, what do y'all think, thinking about what's happening with Dwindle without going too deep into it? Because we don't have all the information. I mean, for me, I think that, yeah, those brands have all kind of run its course. There doesn't seem to be anybody there who is like 
stoked on what they're doing. I think maybe Madness was the only thing that was new and interesting and innovative. And for me, uh, like street loyalist, I like refused to even consume any Madness media as just like a protest against the idea of a skate park centric uh, company. So no love lost there, but that, that seemed to be like the best thing about Dwindle at, at this time. So probably besides the fact that some people are losing their income, but like probably for the best that those, those brands are dying. Hopefully something new and exciting will come from that. Cause I think that that's what skateboarding is all about. Does it feel like we're in a transition period? Does, is something, something is changing. I mean, there's strange things are afoot at the circle K. I think it's some, you know, recession related action. And I don't know, sometimes my point of view is pretty, uh, useless when it comes to like the popularity of a madness I, I don't think i ever saw one in person or i don't think at least the shops i go to locally carry a lot of that you know dwindle stuff so hard to say could just be recession related seems like it goes back further than that it could be pandemic related though that, that was supposedly you know gangbusters for hard goods not sure not sure if it's a there's some inflection point happening well, speaking of inflection points, Austin Gillette has a new shoe and it's uh, got a rubber toe cap, among other features. What do you guys think about more that new toe- shoe? <laughs> it's more than a toe cap, isn't it? Yeah, it's like a a, a dip or something, a rubber dip. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a like weird, like a it's like a spray-on condom kind of deal. Yeah, <laughs> you said it. <laughs> that's not eight. It's just that's what I think of. Come on, I respect uh, it though. You know, Austin's always going to be down to do something different, and it's something that we've never seen before. Got those little bumps that are kind of like a nod to the Chet Thomas Pro shoe. Oh, God. I, I, I would skate him. If, if Glib wants to send me a pair, I'll try him out. I mean, I mean I, I'm really interested in, yeah, the functionality of the thing, because that looks like so much rubber and not, not enough speed holes for ventilation. So It does seem like it could get pretty clammy the warmer months. Patrick, what do you think of those Austin shoes? I mean, you know, if I recall, Austin was quite close to Dylan, and Dylan put out a polarizing shoe that people are still ripping off to this day. So, who knows? By this summer, what if that's the hot new shoe? Egg on all our faces. Probably probably would be hot one way or another, until we get our until we get our feet in there. there exactly, you know, so, Globe, I mean, like, look, you know, we were at the most fashionable skateboarding event of the year, you know, the, I think our I think our opinions matter. Sorry to go back to, to 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 slow impact, but yo, the pants and footwear game was stupid. Oh, anyway, Templeton, please go on on rapid fire. Sure. Okay. Uh, probably biggest biggest thing in the last few weeks is this Vans video from Fletch. Um, Patrick, what's your take on this thing? I haven't watched it yet. I was saving it for tomorrow night. Um, all right. I've heard some things. I've heard some things. Um, <laughs> Mike, have you watched it? The chatter's been pretty inauspicious for the video. Uh, I have not. I, I watched, I got, again, I, I watched the shot part at the um, at the airport, and then a buddy hit me up like, yo, what is this trick at one minute in exactly? And I'm like, whoa, okay, I gotta, I gotta watch this, right? We're talking the Vans video now. And um, the homie Aiden does a 50-50 down a gently sloping ledge as a single clip, and that kind of <laughs> kind of ethered the video for me. <laughs> <laughs> for the time being, I'm like, God damn it, he tricked me. My buddy look, tricked me. Look, Roman is in there. 
I've heard the Rowan footage footage is good. The Rowan footage is very good. An Ollie flip at the Mexican Embassy is uh, a highlight to me. Was it that? There's that Japanese video that came. It was Lens Three, right? Oh yeah, big into that. How are that you feeling about sick. it? That was sick. That was um uh what's Homegirl's name? Uh, Miriam, Warm Girl on Twitter, mm-hmm. who also makes great skate bags. By the way, I copped one of those. And it came right before Slow Impact. So useful to have a, a bag to put your skateboard in when you walk into a store, such and such. You don't look like a crazy person, and you know you don't have to, you know, be like, oh, excuse me, such and such. Um, I, I think she knows a few of those folk stories, like download bus those locals and skates with them. Japanese skating is it, and the pants, the pants are so good. The pants are wild. Everybody's okay. got the wild pants, the they tight booth pants, mm-hmm. which are not at all tight. <laughs> Mike, have you been consuming these lens videos? Been meaning to. I've uh, been watching a lot of skate stuff unless I'm really, really interested in it lately. Wow, Mike, you're the one who... And I haven't been on the podcast for a couple weeks, so it's like, put my feet up on my desk. Boss ain't watching. Boss boss can't hold it over me. Okay, one thing I did watch that was really great, the uh, Shopaholics video on the Thrasher site. Bunch of Milwaukee buddies are in there. Uh, Some of the guys who were behind the bees trilogy you're probably familiar with that those videos if you're listening to this um templeton your notes explain why that video is so good very well oh yeah to me it's like fully encompasses what skateboarding is all about trespassing hang out with your friends and getting creative that's what skateboarding is to me and the fact that they're doing it in a shopping mall with like an 80s vibe like who hasn't been to the mall as a kid and just thought about how rad it would be to skate the mall and these guys are doing it and it just looks so fun and obviously they're ripping. So yeah. It would be it would be so much easier to skate a mall now because teenagers don't hang out at the mall. Nobody goes to the mall. Online shopping has pretty much killed the mall. I mean goodness, the here in LA, they redid the Beverly Center, which is right at where City of LA meets West Hollywood meets neighborhood called Beverly Grove, which is next to Beverly Hills. And yeah, there's like a bunch of luxury shops in there, but it's pretty much just wealthy tourists who shop there. You know, kids don't go hang out at the mall anymore. And then you think about a lot of places in other parts of the country where, you know, you have these dead malls. You may as well skate. Turn them into skate parks. Or just break yeah. in. Yeah. Just break in, it's have some fun. That's what skateboarding is all about. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There was, like, was there any, did we break into any, did we, did anybody break into any or, or hit any bus spots during, um, uh, the slow impact street challenge or spot challenge? I don't think anything was very illegal. Normal, normal level of illegal. Yeah, yeah just um, standard illegal. Which is what about the? There was the Atlantic Drift video that came out too. Like you watch that one? I watched it. I I think I'm like uh, again Templeton. You had some notes. It was good. I I almost feel like I don't know that that we we might need a format shakeup with that one. Like, I kind of know the beats of uh, Jacob Harris's edits, and it's very familiar, and they're going cool places. Like, I'd go to Istanbul in a heartbeat. Yeah, it but did kind of feel like I'd seen this one before. It, it In some of the, like, places that are less charted, or, le- you know, just there's less maybe skating to do there, they kind of, they start blending together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really felt like the Mallorca edit like this the plaza seemed kind of similar and yeah yeah spot similarity doing well, the album just like down ramps 
I, I think one of the issues is that uh, we're not getting an Atlantic Drift board brand. And so maybe it's kind of like, oh, is this all I'm going to get? Right. Yeah, we kind of maybe had a little bit higher expectations. And I read recently that Jacob Elliott Harris has had or has long COVID. So I, I think that uh, we can maybe give him a pass for this one. You know, he's just going through some shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's completely understandable. And then also there's a huge amount of risk. There's a huge amount of risk in starting a board brand in 2023 because there's no guarantee that people are going to dive in and, 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 and buy into it. That, that's Yeah. I mean, but nobody's got more juice than Atlantic Drift. It's, it's like the perfect formula for a board brand. It's helmed by a filmer who we all know that filmers make the best uh, creative directors for board brands. And it's based on a crew that's already popular and with like genuine existing relationships. So it's like a worthy investment, you know, like I would, I would put up money to fund the board brand if, if I was approached for sure. Ready, ready to pop for sure. And, um, I mean, after, after all that self love you filmers had last week, I'm not surprised that you're again, puffing your chest up, man. <laughs> hey, I've, I've been saying that for years. Thanks for being the speed cream in the bearing that is skateboarding. Templeton, <laughs> <laughs> you you are right though. It is you know folks who spend a lot of time looking through a lens and capturing things are going to have that um, they're going to have that vision right. And also, there's a certain amount of discipline. No, there is discipline that comes with being a filmer or a photographer. You know, you have to be patient. And I think one of the challenges for some folks who talk about starting a skateboard company is or will end up starting a skate company is that they don't realize how much of it is waiting you know waiting for stuff to come back from the presses waiting uh waiting for things to ship out waiting for invoices to clear all it's a lot of you know hurry up and wait and that can be a little bit that can be a little bit or a lot uh discouraging to folks yeah you got to be patient in business i think uh i i had panel ideas for a slow impact too you know the filmer panel i i feel like the panel panel idea worked very well and it was hard hitting from the go but um you could also do the filmers panel the how to start a skate shop panel what else did i have pants pants panel seamstresses younger voices because the younger voices on the panels were really refreshing yeah a lot of a lot of potential out there a lot of stuff to you know people would be stoked on well what a transition uh well that brings us to the end of our show where we talk about what we're stoked on i kind of fucking stepped all over that transition uh patrick what are you stoked on this week um let's see i am stoked on spitfire wheels shout out to jim t shout out to tim shout out to deluxe ah wonderful to catch up and chop it up in person once again also super stoked on allison roman's interview in interview magazine fantastic photos Allison is a homegirl and a good friend of the family. Got to figure out a way to get her on the podcast. I'm really stoked on skate bag that I picked up. We'll provide a link in the show notes on how you can order one from Osaka, Japan, delivered via EMS. It's a game changer. I'm also really, really stoked on the rain. It's been raining the last couple of days in a year in LA. And so I don't feel like this pressure to be like, oh, I got to go out and skate, got to go out and skate, got to go out and skate and do stuff. With regards to slow impact, stoked on meeting everybody and getting to hang out on the late night tip with a lot of folks and to have some really wonderful laughs. I laughed a lot. I laughed and I laughed and I laughed and I cried and I laughed. And I'm really looking forward to next year 
I really hope this becomes a recurring thing. Maybe a rotating thing even that logistically might be challenging. Mike, what are you stoked on? Stoked on? Sorry, my mic was muted. Yeah, definitely stoked on low impact. That rule would go again in a heartbeat. Also stoked on decaf espresso. I've been meaning to bring that into the house for ages. Do that if you are uh, like having coffee around. Watched the movie Heat last night for the first time in my life. I'm definitely stoked on that. And um, a little pro tip, since we were a lot of us were traveling, if you can make sure you have a window seat. I've now done this a half a dozen times where you can put your board under your the seat in front of you if you have a window seat. And if you're short like me and you won't mess up your, your leg room. Because I don't know, man, putting, putting the board in the overhead compartment stresses me out. Templeton, what are you stoked on? Uh, always stoked on travel tips. Uh, so thanks for that one, Mike. Uh, I'm stoked on party animals. These are candy-coated animal crackers. I got a fucking sweet tooth. Um, and I just discovered these, and they're literally too good to have in the house. So I've got a bag in the house right now that's not going to last much longer. So if you've got a sweet tooth, maybe avoid these. Or maybe not if you've got some self-control. Uh, they're called party animals. They're probably at every fucking grocery store out there. They're for like little kids. Um, They're super good. So good. Uh, so go get some party animals and uh, you can be stoked too. That's it for our show this week. Be sure to check out mostlyskateboarding.net for links to things that we talked about and other show notes. Until next time, you can keep up with us all week online. Uh, Patrick, we're going to be able to find you. You can find me on Instagram under the handle at pkgongo. You can also find me on Twitter on the handle at Colonel K Speaks. I am no longer the acting board chair for the Harold Hunter Foundation. I am now the board chair. Um, I was elected in our first board meeting of 2023. So now as a formal position, I am no longer in an acting role. So I'm very excited to formalize that and continue great work with them. Congrats, um, Patrick. Thank you. Well thank deserved. You. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And uh, where else can you find me? I'm also going to be doing a written recap of Slow Impact. And so either it's going to be done by the time this goes live or it's going to come out slightly afterwards i want to get the words just right i think even just this discussion today just got me hyped on so many other things i wanted to touch upon mike where can the people find you on bobby digital's internet uh same handle instagram twitter at m munzenrider currently posted twice on the vp style report so too bad you can't find me there on sunday templeton where are you on the internet uh, you can find me on Instagram at Mostly Skateboarding and on Twitter at Mostly Skate. We will see you guys next week. Later. <laughs> the past few years, to the traditional sounds of an English summer, a drone of lawnmowers, a smack of leather on willow, has been added a new noise. What were the skies, were the skies like when you were young? They went on forever. They, when I we lived in Arizona, and the skies always had little fluffy clouds in them, and uh, they were long and clear. There were lots of stars at night, and uh, when it would rain, it, they were beautiful. The most beautiful skies, as a matter of fact. Uh, the sunsets were purple and red and yellow and on fire. The clouds would catch the colors everywhere. It's neat because I used to look at them all the time when I was little. You don't see that.
you're talking about stretching and bananas you know like i mean that sounds horny if you yeah i kind of wish that line was in there yeah. too. I, mean, I mean oh wait i mean templeton is still recording right now oh yeah it is still recording <laughs> yeah. man I mean, it ain't can... our best jokes from the after pod <laughs> <laughs> 